welcome back to International Relations Sensations, brought to you by the University of Texas at Austin. My name is Myra Sayed, and I'm the new host for the podcast. To welcome in the new season, we decided to bring together the other women from the podcast and discuss our personal experiences studying uh, or working in IS. I'm here today with Sarah San, Valerie Ferguson, Natalia Latau, and our editor, Claire Wilson. So with the first question, how do we handle imposter syndrome? And how do you handle imposter syndrome in your own life? And what advice would you give someone who's dealing with it? So this is a very academic answer to the question, but we were talking about Edward Said's book, Orientalism. And in the book, he describes the way that people are interacting with Orientalism. And he says that when you interact with it, you're first seeing it as an American and then as an individual. And I think reading this actually helped me sort of understand the way I interact with academia in general. I think that I'm very aware of my positioning as a woman whenever I'm in an academic situation. And so I'm dealing with academia first as a woman and then as an individual. And so I think having that understanding of like, how do you interact with academia? Is it first as a woman or is it first with your gender identity or your sexual orientation or your race? Having a better understanding of how I interact with academia in general has helped me understand why I feel like an imposter. Um, piggybacking off of that, I would say that there are certain, uh, so like coming from Pakistan, I'd say one of the biggest things that I had to deal with in terms of imposter syndrome was my nationality played a big part in it, in such that like my mother or my grandmother just did not understand how the girls in the family wanted to go and study international security. It's a very odd concept, I think. Most of the elder women in my family still don't really wrap their head around it. So for me, I think it was more separating facts from feelings. So coming from a place where it was like, if you are a girl, it makes no sense for you to be studying something that inherently is about conflict because women are kind of told to be these passive, nurturing, sort of just kind of characters that don't really play a role in conflict. Rather, we're supposed to like, minimize it somehow whether it's in the professional sphere or like at home so i think for me it was just a lot of knowing exactly what i wanted to do and doing research or reading on it in my own time even if i was in a place where it was kind of alien the concept of it i think proving yourself with your own knowledge and presenting it in a way which makes you seem like you are sure of what you're doing kind of helped me the most in figuring out what i wanted to further do with is yeah, definitely. Like, I came to UT as a transfer student, so I came from community college in Houston. So I already felt very out of place because I didn't go through the traditional path. So I did feel like an imposter. And I think the best advice that I kind of told myself is that out of all the applicants, I got chosen. So UT saw potential in me, and that's why they selected me to go to the school. And I think that how I like talk myself out of it, which is a really nice thing to do. Yeah, um, I came from a really small school where luckily I had that 6% admission, so it was not that hard to get into UT. And then so with that knowledge, like throughout all of my years, even my freshman year, teacher was like, a lot of you kids came from a small school where you didn't have to try hard and you weren't, now you're not the, smart, the smartest of the bunch. And so being told that rep- like repeatedly, was not the best for my mental health. And then so, but like Myra said, just the knowledge that like UT chose me, you know, like whether it was like my high school career that helped, 
I still had to work hard to get here. And like even in classes, like I can prove that with my grades and like even academic validation is like, it doesn't mean that much, but like just seeing it and like how like hard, like how much hard work I put in, it reflects. So you are who you are, not what your grades are. What were your views on IS as an academic discipline before you started studying it? And how have those views changed over time? Um, so I think this is a great question because um, my views on IS as an academic discipline have changed immensely um, since studying it. Um, I think prior to um, arriving to UT, um, I always perceived international security or just the field of security in general um, as being very focused on um, you know, counterterrorism, counterintelligence. Um, and I think that's a result of having been exposed to this wide range of um, media through popular culture. You know, we see movies about like spies and all of these action films that portray um, these careers in security as being very geared towards that kind of aspect. Um, and so now actually, you know, studying international security and having been able to have the opportunity to take various different classes with different accomplished professors in the field, um, you know, I've been exposed to the theoretical side of security, which has been incredibly interesting. Um, and I've learned that uh, international security as a discipline is immensely broad. Um, you know, it, it doesn't just focus on counterterrorism or counterintelligence. I mean, you have environmental security, you have health security. There's so many different facets. Um, and I, I think it's, it, yeah, overall, um, my, my views have just expanded and I think they've become more nuanced. Um, and that's been able to, you know, broaden my perspective with regards to, um, you know, approaching the discipline as a whole. I think alongside with understanding that there's different facets to security, I think once I started studying IS, I understood a lot more about like the involvement of different countries. Because I think you're right. I think in American media specifically, there's such a focus on only specific countries like China or the Middle East. And so I think when you go into IS, or at least when I went into IS, just consuming like American media, I was very focused on those specific countries. But once you get into actually studying it, there's an understanding of not only there being different faucets, but being able to explore those within different regions, not feeling like you have to just be compressed to whatever the American media is showing. Yeah, that's why I really like the program at YouTube, because especially how like at the end of at, in your, your senior year, you do a capstone, but it's essentially any topic that you want. So I know some people who are studying about war or history of conflict within a country, but then my topic is just human trafficking. And it's not a topic that's really discussed in IS, but it's still a factor in IS because it is human security, which I really love studying and it's really interesting to see. And yeah. How has your academic career thus far helped you? What have your teachers or mentors been like? Um, academically, for my classes, I try to have, um, like my goal is to have one class from all of the areas. So right now, all I have left is Europe. Yeah, I think all I have left is Europe now. <laughs> so um, I'm so that's my main goal, just so I can really get the international focus 
of things and like, you know, the best of both worlds with my major. And then so I would say that has helped me because I am able to have all of these different perspectives whenever I like go to a new class that focuses on a different region. And then for teachers um, or professors from those classes, I would say one of my favorite professors was in my world history of Russia and Ukraine class last semester, Professor Siegel. And he really showed us how um, like Russia is seen as like the winner, I guess, in that narrative, but how Ukraine had such a large part of the story and how many nations like Ukraine, their stories aren't able to be told in the ways that it should be. And then like even now with the Russia and Ukraine conflict firing back up again, um, the class was really interesting and I was able to see how the history of those two countries um, is similar to a lot of the histories of many other countries around the world. And then as for like a mentorship teacher, Professor Hogshanas from my sociology class freshman year, he's the sweetest man in the entire world. And then he's always so encouraging. And so I would say he's really helped me. And then he's made me like, he's made the imposter syndrome go away. And he's made me feel like I actually belong here. Oh, so, that's yeah. so nice. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God, for me, I think the best thing about this academic career is going into IS is that it requires you to think very like creatively and mm -hmm. you have to look at different solutions which is really helpful by the way if you want to get a job in tech because i've been applying to jobs at like google and deloitte and it really helps there are looking for people who study ir because we think very innovatively and we think about other factors rather than looking at it just as is you know and then for teachers my favorite professor and i love him with all of my heart is dr samia Yu. he taught islamic politics and he, it, he got his law degree in Egypt, but in Egypt, the Arab Spring was happening while he was studying law. Mm -hmm. So he talks so much about his, how the Arab Spring was like in Egypt. And he's also gonna be a mentor for one of my research mm -hmm. projects, which is wonderful. And another, another professor from the Arabic department, which I know very well at UT, mm -hmm. is Dr. Mohammed Mohammed. We have a, we, we talk a lot about, besides Arabic, but we also talk about just international relations and how it connects with the Middle East. So we talk about the UN's relationship with the Middle East. We talk about different organizations because he worked at the UN for refugee programs in like Jordan and Palestine. And he really helped me like understand that even though I don't know a lot of MES students, there still is a place for MES students and that it's like our, like it's important to study the region. And then mentors, I think, I think one of my best mentors is Amber Howard from the Clement Center. She and I had a two hour long discussion about my resume and she completely tore it apart, but in the best way possible because now I have, I think my resume looks good. And then we also talked about just, also like what we're talking about today, being a woman in IS, but we also talked about the Middle East because she studied in Palestine for a while. And we talked about imposter syndrome too because she felt it too throughout her entire grad experience. And she kind of just reminded me that, hey, you are like a good, you are good enough. You are at the level of your peers because you hear about everyone getting these internships and jobs and all that stuff. And you compare yourself, but she's just kind of like, Maya, you have to look at yourself and see that what you've done is also really good, which I loved. And yeah. I think another part 
of what I love about IRG at UT is the focus on like teamwork and team building. I know that sometimes it can be annoying, especially if you're in a group that doesn't feel like they need to produce the same quality of work that you want to produce. But I do think that gearing up to have a career in IR, being able to build a team and then achieve goals on that team is very important. So I do think like IRG 320 is very important to be able to build that. As far as mentors, this is a little bit like out of line, but Texas Global, I work with Barbara Barstow. If you're ever interested in studying abroad in Asia, she's very helpful. And specifically, she's helpful in finding like, can I take IS classes in whatever university I want to attend? So if you're worried about like, can I graduate on time? Can I finish all the classes in my track that I need to finish? She's very helpful up in Texas Global, helping you figure that out. So check her out, she's great. What are some valuable skills um, and lessons that you'd be able to offer individuals um, wanting to go into international security? And this advice could pertain um, you know, within the academic environment or just professionally? I think one, like, general thing is like what I said before, thinking creatively and thinking about how everything isn't just how you see it. There's like a domino effect. So something has happened that caused this to happen, caused this to happen. And it isn't just no one wakes up one day and decides to do something like, you know, like whatever. I mean, there's a lot of topics we can talk about. But I think that's one thing that really helped me. And it's also helped me in the career sense because one of the jobs that I applied for, that's literally what I do. I'll research backgrounds of people and understand what happened because I'll be because one of the jobs I'm applying for is to help people off death row so what I'll be doing is to research the individual interviews and do interviews and all that stuff but to understand what led to that decision um, and what landed him in death row so I think that also that really helped me and then one skill that's very important is heavily heavily emphasized by the international relations department and that is learning another language I think learning another language really opens you up to the region that you're studying because like for me, I study MES, I study Arabic, and I really got to understand more about Arab culture that I never would have understood if I never studied Arabic. I read Arabic literature, which is a lot of fun, and I think learning a language is such, it helps you con connect more with your region too, which I really love. Um, kind of going off of that, I understand that UT does not have a specific requirement which does us to match a certain region with a certain language. So what do you all think are the pros of not having to do that? Like I understand coupling like Middle East Middle East with like Arabic. But like why why do you think UD specifically left that option open for people? I think there are, always has to be an understanding that people might want to connect with a culture that their family is connected to that they themselves might not be able to. Mm -hmm. I think a big aspect of that is language. So I, I think it's understandable to like pair a region with specific language requirements, but I think it's good that UT leaves it open because a lot of people might not want to study the region that their family comes from, but they want to study the language. Mm -hmm. So I think always leaving it open for people's specific like backgrounds is a very good thing to do. I also know people in the MES department because middle like the Middle East, even though Arabic is the prevalent language, there's so many other languages that are spoken yeah. in the Middle East. So I know a plenty I know plenty of students who are MES students, but they also study Hebrew, which is an important language to, to learn if you're studying the Middle East. 
with and that's why it's really and then also with Claire I think that's like a really good point because I tried to study Urdu at UT but they wouldn't let me because it didn't work on any of class schedules but yeah mm-hmm. yeah going off of what Claire said I think it's a great opportunity that um, you know we're given the liberty to choose a language um, that doesn't necessarily fit into the specific you know region or country uh, that we're you know learning about um, just because it uh, like Myra said you know languages really are the door to understanding cultures and um, as students majoring in international relations um, I think one of our biggest responsibilities is to really get a grasp um, a holistic grasp of you know various different countries and um, you know um, amidst this international spectrum and by learning a different language I mean if that's what you choose to do and then studying a completely different region, I think that you know gives us the ability to um, have an understanding of like two completely different places. Um, so I think that's a really unique opportunity, and it allows us to be able to tailor our degree to what you know our interests are. So, so one question I want to ask you all is, what are your goals for the future after graduating and all that fun stuff? What do y'all want to do? I'm so curious. Well, um, right after I graduate, I'm hoping that I can, you know, be one of those people and I'm going to go teach the little kids in Spain. I'm going to go <laughs> teach them just for a little bit. Not as like a break, but so I can better understand the Spanish language, you know, it's always a plus. And then I've never lived internationally, so I feel like it'd be fun to, you know, Valerie go international, you know, new episode. But yeah, and then as a whole, I'm hoping that I can go into like the refugee um, career aspect-wise. I interned with them last summer, Re- Refugee Services of Texas, I interned with them, and it was really interesting to, um, to understand the process, and then so, yeah, that's what I hope to do um, for now, and just see. Um, I think right after graduating, I would like to take what I've learned back home to Pakistan and kind of teach the importance of international security over there just because um, Pakistan is a country that's very heavily affected by international security threats, especially with the Kashmir issue. And I feel like just teaching our youth maybe about, because international security isn't a subject that I was ever taught about in high school over there, minus like some of the history that we covered, which is pertaining more to the Cold War and stuff. We don't really focus on like on a more global scale. So I think just taking it back home and probably teaching it to the youth for a while before I apply for grad school. Grad school is the end goal. Yeah. So this is a both like a popular and unpopular answer, but I'm very interested in going to law school. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I want to pursue international law, but I really love aspects of like technical writing. And so I think that I would be able to apply my skills best, like, as a lawyer. So that is what I'm looking into right now. Yeah, like Claire, I definitely see myself going to law school post-graduation. And then after that, hopefully maybe pursue a career in uh, national security law. Um, But we'll see. (laughs) Uh, For me, I'm graduating this semester. So um, after graduation, I'm going to study with the Clement Center for a month in London, which I'm so excited about. And then afterwards, I plan on taking a gap year actually before law school. So I'm just trying to find a job in between right now. 
So I'm looking at like law firms and um, just uh, companies that are looking for legal interns or stuff like that. And then after that, I want to go to law school. I've been debating what kind of law I want to study because I also because I was interested in like intellectual property law, but I also I also don't know. I'm still like trying to figure it out. But the ultimate end goal, I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> and I think that's what giving me that's another piece of advice that I would give. Sometimes leaving things open can help you so much more than you would ever think. Because if you just allow life to do its thing, just figure it out. And that's kind of what gives me peace in my heart. I mean, that's what's fun about IR, right? It's exactly changing. <laughs> you can literally do anything. I think you can change your answer for what you want to do, like, every semester. You take yeah. a new class and you're like, this makes sense. No, same. I, I started out at UT wanting to be, like, a human rights lawyer. And no, an ambassador and then a human rights lawyer, and then now I'm just question mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I was just gonna say, like, if you guys had to pick one word to describe the women, the way women are portrayed, like women working in security in media in the U.S., if you had to pick one word to describe the women, how would you say that the media portrays it, specifically in the U.S.? Women in I.S. Yeah, women in I.S. I don't don't know if I can pick one word, but I can, like, I feel like women in IS, who are studying IS, are expected to go, to automatically go down the human rights route. And you, and it's, like, people expect that, but there's also women who are not really, it's not that they're not interested in it, but it's just, like, not what they want to study for their whole life. So I know other women who are studying, like, nuclear policy, or people who are studying war and, like, everything in general, but I think that's one thing, one stereotype that's given on women who study IS is that they're automatically just going to go study human rights security or health security or whatever. And it's, it's very interesting about how wrong it's been proven, mm-hmm. especially with going to UT because it's very diverse with the kind of what people want to study in relation to IR. Was your question about how women are portrayed in the media? Yeah, especially in the media. Like, okay, I do have a word. Mm-hmm. So, the, the word that I that first came to mind was sexy, but that's exactly. because, like, I feel like all the women sexualized. spies, yes, they're too sexualized. Like, I don't know if Black Widow is a spy, I've never seen the movie, but the way, like, it's just, like, all, like, the women superheroes and, like, all the women spies, like, even in Kingsmen, they have those slip dresses, you know, things like that. So it's just, like, women aren't given, like, from the media, it's just, like, in the realm of, like, those like positions they aren't giving given a serious role mm-hmm. exactly like even uh have you all watched money heist the women that work in security with the the lead like security i guess they're fbi agents but not fbi sorry in they're spain. Like, uh, yeah in spain spain doesn't have fbi <laughs> but like they're like the main women working and one of them like falls in love with the guy who's basically like the evil mastermind so she because of because she falls in love she leaves her position as a security officer like she's the head of it another woman gets pregnant and gives birth and she, that makes her character somehow like it like her her profession is kind of put on like a back burner because she has to give birth another one falls in love and they're extremely sexualized and it's just for me that was just i understand it's not like the american way of looking at it, but I just feel like they are very sexualized. Mm-hmm. Like, somehow power is, like, turned into 
something that's attractive, but from a very misogynistic point of view. Not, not an exact, it's not very empowering, it's just more, yeah, something you would be attracted to. That's funny because when you said media, I thought you meant like the news. When you said sexy, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, who's on there looking like that? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I think my immediate reaction to the media thinking the news was, I think a lot of times the best word I can think of is aloof. Because I think in international security, there, as well as any IR field, there's a big focus on professionalism. And so I think sometimes as citizens, when you're watching the media, it can seem very like aloof and almost cold mm -hmm. because what is being discussed is of like great importance. And so I think looking at women specifically on the news, that would probably be my first answer, even though it is more towards being professional than it is being cold to what the topics actually are. So my question, and this is going to be so cliche, but I'm so excited to ask, why did you guys decide to study IS and also, and opposed to like the other tracks too, but also do you guys have any woman, in, or it doesn't even have to be a woman, a person who's worked in IS that you look up to and it can be like, you know, a politician or anything like that? Yeah, um, I think this is a good question um, because I don't think I can necessarily pinpoint one specific reason as to why I decided to um, study IS um, and choose that as my track. Um, I think it's been a very nat uh, natural gravitation, um, you know, over the years, the more I've read about, you know, different issues, with, let's say, for, for instance, with regards to like um, Chinese security threats and such, um, I, I've kind of just become more interested and that's kind of, um, you know, one of the reasons why I've decided to kind of dive deeper into IS. Um, I can say that one of the earliest memories that I have um, that kind of maybe sparked somewhat of a slight interest in security was when I was still living in Singapore. And I must have been maybe 10 years old, possibly younger at the time. I'm not sure if you guys remember this, but um, Maso Amat, he escaped from one of the Singapore prisons. And I remember, um, you know, there was widespread media coverage about the issue. Um, he was part of a terrorist organization. So that is why um, it was such a big deal at the time. And Singapore uh, worked with other countries within the region to try to um, find him um, and I remember I mean back back in the day when we still relied on newspapers more so than on news through our phones and laptops um, I, I would read, read the newspaper every single morning with my dad um, and you know just kind of follow along on what was going on and um, you know I think that was one of the first uh, security issues that I really became aware of, um, but obviously at the time I never thought that I, you know, would end up studying IS. So, um, and then to answer your second question, um, someone that um, 
a, a woman who is very well respected within the security field is Amy Ziegart. I'm not sure if any of you guys have heard of her, but um, she is incredibly accomplished. She's published numerous um, works in different uh, highly regarded uh, you know, publications. And um, yeah, she, she's an expert in cybersecurity in so many different fields. Uh, I've had the, the chance to read a lot of her different works in my classes, so um, if you guys ever have a chance, definitely check those pieces out. Well, that's the end of the podcast. It was wonderful talking about our relation, our, uh, what it's like to be a woman in IS and just our own perspectives in it. It was really nice to hear this discussion. I hope we can do it again, maybe. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for participating. And hook them horns. <laughs>